Hello everyone and welcome to the seventh episode of the Orca Cast where we wage walk on some video games. Today with me, my beautiful co-hosts, Lord Val Gaming, Hello. streamer Extraordinaire Mixer, and my moderator Bum Bum down below. Moderator Extraordinaire. Okay, gentlemen. We have a program today. We are going to talk about Man Eater First, which is a neat little title that came out last week. I think Friday, and it made some <laughs> waves. Get it? It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man Eater is a game where you play as a shark <laughs> for a change of pace, and it's actually pretty damn good. I mean, it's the open worldiest game of the open world games, which why Bum Bum wouldn't like it but I'll get to that in a minute. So the premise is basically you start out the tutorial as a shark and then you get killed by some shark hunter. And the shark hunter literally cuts you out of the womb of your mother and throws you back into the ocean. So that is where the story begins. We have a narrator who is Chris Parnell from Saturday Night Live, I think, and he narrates your story. And actually, the best part about this game is the story and how how yeah how this is this is actually a really good thing to ask because it's actually funny and not only that it's also actually well written in some places because they really make the shark hunter the big bad evil shark hunter <laughs> they make you hate him you really hate this guy at some point not not just at the start but he's like a really bad person from the point of view you're taking in the game. So we have an action RPG where you play as a shark. You basically three free roam around certain areas, go to pointers, do stuff, go to more pointers, do more stuff. The combat is interesting, the underwater combat not so much, but once humans get into the mix and you fight humans it's getting interesting because you can like jump out of the water, snap them from boats, kill them, eat them, get more experience. No, it's it's really it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And what I like about it is it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's fairly short for a game of its magnitude, mm -hmm. and that's what makes it actually good because very long is not always very good. The game doesn't overstate its welcome. It doesn't overplay its hands or effect that it gets. Also, you get some really interesting mutations later on, like electric skin and electric teeth. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, which you can put into your shark for some reason. <laughs> it's an open world game, they advertise it as an open world game. But I would rather say it's more still in stages. And the issue is just that if you pull away the curtain that you that you have actually a really good concept which hasn't been done to death by everyone. There is still just an open worldy open world game. This is this is the kind of game when Bam Bam says I'm tired of open world games. This is really the kind of game. You have pointers, you go to pointers, you do stuff. It's fun stuff in some regards, but often it's just also collecting stuff. It's going to eat humans, then go there, eat more humans, then eat more humans. <laughs> after that, after that, you eat some more fish. And um, yeah, that's basically the game. So 
it can get even with the short playtime a little bit repetitive, but I still liked it a lot and I had fun while playing it and I think that is the most important part. If you have fun while playing something, it means it's a good game. It sounds like a, someone had a good idea for a shark B-movie and just was like, yeah, I'll make it yeah. into a game instead. You guys ever watch Shark Sharknado? Yes. There's like six movies of it, okay? So this is like, Sharknado is freaking brilliant. You cannot <laughs> deny that. They've done six movies already. <laughs> Sharknado goes to the freaking, where is it? Somewhere. <laughs> they go to different planets and stuff. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like the same. It just reminded me, it's like, yo, this is Sharknado in a game. <laughs> uh, it's, you would say, you know, the game is stupid, but then... It's like it's completely the opposite. The game is freaking brilliant, and what they do, they do it well. Yeah, like, this I, is the Sharknado of the video games. Like it feels like the writers saw the humor behind it. Yeah, like, how, how ridiculous it is. So they were like, "Yeah, this could work," and just like slap electric upgrade on it because it makes sense somehow. Yeah, <laughs> and, and... the game is brilliant, and they know they know what they're doing, and they actually embrace it. It's it's, it's absolutely awesome. I think the game yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it speaks volumes that they have a SNL essentially presenter as a narrator that I think sets the tone really well for it. Yeah, mm. the, the game doesn't take itself seriously at yeah. all. You just have to. So if you if you start attacking humans and eat them, you get basically infamy points, and for every infamy point you get, there will be a hunter after you. And if you kill a hunter or one of those big hunters. You get like an upgrade, and but but the thing is, the way the hunters are introduced is really funny sometimes. Like, there's this real big, 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 big lady as the second hunter, and the first thing she does, she grabs a trumpet instead of her shotgun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's like the the game really doesn't take itself seriously at all. Yet they still managed to make one of the most loathsome villains in truth and memory. I, I, think I don't. It's, I think every, it's just. <laughs> it's perfect. It's like they got everything. I don't know. It's it's just. It's the Sharknado all over again. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, I would highly recommend everyone to play this game at least on sale because it's just. I know different is not always good, but it's just so funny and in parts even well written. And the gameplay is also very solid that you just have to experience it. Yeah, yeah. like all I, all I have in my head now is Jaws on PS2. I think it's Jaws Unleashed. That game's not good, but it's brilliantly stupid. So I think it remi- what you're saying essentially is that taken to an 11 with Maneater. And I kind of like it. Yeah, it, it exactly. It's it's just that, and it also has a good game underneath it. You get that out of it. So, moving on. This is a uh, bum bum. Your turn. You wanted to oh. talk about something. Yeah, let's have a tone of whiplash. Let's talk about Song of Horror, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is a indie horror game which was released in an episode by Protocol Games. It's a small studio in Madrid, Spain, and I really like the idea from when they pitched it back in 2019 and then they released the first episode on Halloween 2019 and last week they released the final episode. Combination of Lovecraft, uh, Stephen King, it's essentially a love letter to horror writers and horror games. It's a combatless game 
to a degree. There is a, you still can fight the threats, but you don't get any sort of a way to fully get rid of them. You start in Prologue as the main character. You go investigate a house of a writer who found a music box that essentially summons this, I think they call it presence, but they flip-flop between the terms. They call it sometimes darkness. And it calls to this dark dimension from which this darkness comes, and it goes after you. Gameplay-wise, it's similar to classic horror games, like because it plays from fixed co- uh, camera angles. So it's like the original Silent Hill, Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, mm-hmm. that kind of aesthetic. But at the same time, also, it has a lot of things from more recent games. The camera angles also pan. So it works like uh, Code Veronica, and there is horns, which are my favorite thing about the game. When you go throughout the, all the locations between the episodes, usually you're locked to a larger area. Say the first episode is a mansion, then it's a, as a matter of third one was a university, fourth one is an old abbey, and the fifth one is a hospital. And it does things when you go through it. There is random horns. Have you, any of you played Silent Hill 4? <laughs> yes. No. I play I played the classic ones, so no, I didn't play the fourth. In Forders, suddenly for there's haunts when you go back to your apartment from the other world and mm-hmm. random things can happen that are usually just random scares. Okay. And as the nature of the threat in Song of Horror is also random, there's random haunts. And some of them are say more overt, like the entire th- uh, room goes dark and you hear either some giggling or mm-hmm. some swooshing like really nasty but at the, at the same time you get different things like when yeah. you go th- and as the ch- screen changes in the background you catch a glimpse of something moving in a corner okay so my favorite one was it's in the first episode towards the end when you go up the stairs up a flight of stairs behind the camera turns to watch your you from the front as you come towards the camera and at the background, you see a figure just rear back into a door as it closes. So it does really cool, like background scares that are not like just jump scares. And as you go, as these haunts happen, your character gets more stressed. And when they get reach a limit, the darkness goes after you. And there's several versions of the darkness that come after you. There's one which you have to hide from. So you go, say, under a table into a closet. And it it's not a passive, as say amnesia, when you just have to go and hide and wait out. Mm-hmm. Here you have actual, you have your quick time events which are not overt and they're simple. Usually it's just like for the basic one, it's press the both triggers and in rhythm to steady your heart rate. There is silence, which comes later in the second and episode on where you have to push triggers to a certain, with a certain amount of strength, you know, to match a circle, to keep your breath down and not get discovered. And as you go through that, there's these threats and the, un- the underlying gameplay is a combatless survival horror. So you collect your items, you do puzzles. The puzzles are great. It makes you feel smart, but it's not overt. Like it's not missed level of puzzles. You know they don't go crazy, mm-hmm. but just like make you feel smarter because there is you get uh, notes that give you hints, but they're not overt. I sent Orko a picture when I was working out a puzzle where I essentially had to make a table to know what I'm doing. Yeah, I remember that. So can I just 
go yeah. in here for a second. In the fifth episode, we talked about the unveiling of the Microsoft games, and we talked also about a few horror games or a studio making horror games. Blooper. Yeah. So if you compare Song of Horror to one of the Blooper games, leaps and bounds ahead in yes. terms of gameplay? Yes, because um, it's not passive. Like It never feels like you're just waiting for stuff to happen. Stuff happens when you the world reacts to you and your progress and also the threat is the threat is a threat mm-hmm. it's not just a jump scare that happens every once 20 minutes it could happen anytime yeah yeah because it's random and depending on the haunts there's also the aspect uh, uh, of the yeah. permadeath because there's mm-hmm. multiple characters there's one character which you cannot lose and if you lose them you have to restart the entire episode. Mm-hmm. But there is also secondary characters. You can play as, essentially they're on the base difficulty, I would say those act more or less as extra lives. As as I said, if you fail the QTs or you get too scarce until the character collapses, you lose them, they die, and they will not appear in the subsequent episodes. Okay. You're making this sound interesting. It's <laughs> really good. And one of great things is you have to between doors and uh, bet- when you go to a door between rooms you sometimes ha- see an icon and you have to listen to what's behind the door and if you hear something is off you shouldn't open them because if you open them you die and it's a bit funny and but I love it the thing is behind like if there's nothing behind the door it's just silent but if there's something behind the door it just sounds like there's pure evil on the other side of the door just hear this swooshing voices, like something banging on the door. And it's kind of silly, but I like it because it's tongue-in-cheek. To a degree, it feels like it's self-aware. Do I assert this correctly that this threat, when you say it's random, mm-hmm. um, like the attacks in Alien Isolation? Is it like that, in a uh, sense? Y- y- yeah. The thing here is, I would say, just because I haven't played... A lot. I've, I haven't played a lot. I've played like seven hours of isolation. It's not <laughs> full game. Kinda. Because there's different forms of the darkness and each has a different behavior. Like the, yeah, the main I mean... darkness, which I would say is the, um, the closest thing to the alien, mm-hmm. is less sensitive to your sound. Like, But if you make over the amounts of sound, it will come after you and you'll have to find a hiding place. Yeah, I mean, like just yeah. from the from the point of attacking, because they always said that in Alien Isolation, and it was the alien can appear at random. Yeah, yeah, it can fully appear at random. Yeah. And some okay. of these uh, versions of darkness are also incorporated into the horns as well. Like some horns have essentially the ability to summon this thing into your room if you interact with the haunt. Nice. Like, there's a random hunt I found. I was in the university level, and I open a door. There's nothing. I go into a room, and then I go back into the main hall, and there's just a girl gra- drawing circles on the uh, floor. Oh my god! No, no, I see that. I run away. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's that's what I love about this game as well. It's like if you if you've ever watched a horror movie and you're like, you're stupid, don't do that. If, if you do, if you do that here, you die as well. Yeah. So it's great. It's like a microcosm of the horror cliches and what not to do to survive. 
And this game, Bam Bam, is it on PC? It's only? just it's just now on PC. It just got a full release. Okay. But I think there was an announcement from the publisher Razer Games. They're going to release it on consoles in the future. I think it might be at the end of summer. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. And how how um, how much is the game right now? It's twenty five quid. So it's like thirty dollars. $30-$35? Yeah, and I think it's definitely worth it because it's replayable. Mm -hmm. You can try to see how the story is different when there is more characters that have survived. So like... Yeah. So like in... What what was the PlayStation 4 exclusive called? Oh, Until Dawn. Yeah, exactly, like in Until Dawn. Yeah, um... Yeah, there's... I think... It's not not a whole lot. It's a similar thing, but here some of the characters don't get carried over into the next episodes, but others do. So yeah, like I would say, it's a bit like that, but it's not a f- story that's fully focused on the side characters. Mm-hmm. You can play as them, and you can see the events from their perspective. Mm-hmm. But there is the main character, and he's the main character that if you lose, you will have to restart the entire episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you lose any of the other characters and they die, you can still go with either the main character or the, any other other characters that haven't died yet. Mm-hmm. You can go and get the stuff they had on them, pick it up and pick up where you left off. Sounds really good. Sounds like a game I will not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chicken. But um, it sounds really interesting. I mean, if I... If I, it actually comes out on console, I might give it a try as well. I, I, I like... You know pc gaming but um i don't know i'm kind of like always tend to playing on console it just feels easier to me that's uh, fine but yeah it's one of those that i'm going to keep an eye because that would be fun to play when everyone is laughing at your face that you're <laughs> making when you, oh boy. You, you're jumping a scared every single time I, oh my god man that's gonna be the, yeah man, the first time you opened the death door it, because it's like it's a loud sound and the character just gets pulled into the darkness it's great. Like the first time it happened, I was just left there with my mouth agape. Like, did they really just do this? Oh my god! <laughs> it's a, I would definitely recommend Songo Horror. It's um, it's probably the best pure horror game I've played in years. While I say I'm more of more of a fan of, you know, Resident Evil and Silent Hill, more uh-huh. like the classic style of horror games where it's not so much just focused on the atmosphere but you also get to play a really tight game yeah it got me it's a it's a really really cool more of a adventure horror game with elements from you know survival horror let let me ask you a question bam bam have you ever yeah. played coma yes i have it yeah 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 coma. Have, you, have you played it yeah i have played a bit i think i played through the first chapter it's the korean side scroll right yeah it's actually yeah, yeah. damn good. Yeah, I'll have to get back to that. Because I think I played Lone Survivor just before that. And Lone Survivor felt so much better. So I'll probably just get to back to Kuma now. Yeah, just just do that. That's just a suggestion. So, because so... I think they got a sequel recently, right? Or not recently, but a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. we say Song of Horror gets a thumbs up from our lovely Bum Bum over here. Yeah, like, like... I had like all four of them. Yeah, I have it as well, so you might see it pop up in my stream. Yeah, uh, I'm not looking forward to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably oh. do because actually, for what Bambang is saying, I actually 
That got me quite yeah. interested in the game. And if it does come out on, I'm, I, I don't know, I might even pull it on on PC and just play it. I think that would make a fun stream to be like really, really, you know, if, if it's like what Amang is saying, you know, uh, can, anything can happen after every single door and you gotta be, I mean, that's gonna be really, really fun. Yeah. Very scary though. Yeah, it's. And probably that night you won't slave. I won't. I think this is the but, creepiest uh, game. Like I've, I've, like I haven't, I usually don't feel creeped out with horror games, but this one like, like had me just like, because the sound is such a big part of the game, and uh -huh. you have to listen to everything. It's you can't play it like with anything going in the background. I usually, like when I play games, I usually have like podcasts going on in the background. Here I just have headphones on and just focused on the game, and you just <laughs> oh hear in the abbey there is a there is an apparition that sometimes appears in the background and just like hear it chains and then dragging sounds and look to the back of the screen and there's just this hulking guy dragging a corpse chained up along this floor oh i was like God. yeah that's cool i think oh i'll just God. move away bro i'll die if i see that <laughs> i'm absolutely looking forward to that game i'm gonna pick it up 100 actually going to take on bam bam's word and that actually picked my interest and i'll probably I'll probably pick it up myself, yeah, definitely. Gentlemen, next topic is Destiny 2. I heard. <laughs> so, Destiny 2, yeah, we're back. To, to take it away. <laughs> well, on Destiny 2, this week there's not much going on on Destiny 2, yeah. other than Bungie not giving us a single, not a single uh, hint of what's going to happen on the new season. The new season, as you guys would know by now, it's actually in a week's time uh, when we release this video so it's going to be on i believe is 4th of june it is 4th of june no actually i'm lying it is on the 9th of june so we get the new season pass on the 9th of june uh not the season pass the new season only they they've been pretty much quiet about everything and that in on bungee is a good sign usually uh, if they don't talk much about what's going on next, it's because they don't want to spoil it for everyone else. And there is like pieces of the story coming. This season is kind of like, I don't know what if you guys haven't played much, but on Destiny, there is always like a middle ground between, you know, like the time of the summer where there's nothing going on on Destiny, basically. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, uh, it's just before the big expansion, which is usually in September, October. And just after, uh, you know the uh, the end the tail end of the previous big expansion mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like coming to an end expansion and then they give you a tiny bit of a story and they kind of like dies off throughout the summer and then picks up again on the next part of the story where we start with the new the new expansion whatever it's called uh, shadow key forsaken whatever you know they, they want to call it and that is usually september october so it's like you know july June, July, August is pretty much dead. To be honest, we don't get many games throughout that time. It's the time where, you know, uh, developers don't really... Uh, it's a very difficult time to, to release new games. So obviously this is, you know, this is usually the, the time. It's the quietest one anyway. But, well, you know, uh, they, they've been pretty secretive and they actually... Uh, people that, you know, are up to date on Destiny, uh, you know... Uh, Luke Smith and you know on one of the previous uh, you know uh, this week at Bungie the, what we call the TWAP 
they actually mentioned that it's going to be something big just before the expansion. You know what I mean? Like, I think they actually said something. They didn't say it with these words, but it's like you are not expecting what the, what is coming, basically. That's what they said. You're not expecting what's coming before the new big expansion. So that's why we're all thinking it's like they kept it super secret because probably there's going to be something big coming so in the story, something that is going to change. And that's what, you know, I come back to what I said last week. I think they actually potentially could get rid of a whole planet just to do the this season to set up the new expansion. So yeah. the darkness is actually, you can see on one of the uh, Rasputin's bunkers, uh, which is, you know, what the, everything that is going on on this season. This season, what we're doing this season is basically preparing for the attack of the darkness because we already know the triangle the dorito ships are coming to our solar system so we what we're doing now is preparing for the attack and what we're doing is using rasputin as the first line of defense so basically you know rasputin is like the biggest you know ai in we as guardians used to defend you know our solar system so basically rasputin is going to be uh, we rely on him to be defending us. So he's got on his bunker, you can see there is a whole image where it's all written in Russian, obviously, Rasputin. And uh, you got, you know, that is the first Easter egg. That's when we first find out that, you know, the triangle, the, you know, the Dorito ships are coming to our solar system because there is like some lights that are starting to pop up and they're like triangle lights. And then you can see all written in Russian. All the planets, all the, you know, the Titan, Io, Earth, everything, all written down on the left side. So kind of the, every single week, more triangle shapes are lighting up. So there is more triangle shapes and they kind of like, it's giving you week by week how close they're getting to, to our solar system. So this week, we're literally just two weeks away from them reaching one planet, which is uh, Titan first, I believe. I think we're actually going to see the first arrival in Titan. We're going to see the first, you know, our first contact with them. And probably, you know, like I said, you know, potentially Titan disappearing from, from the whole game, which I would really assure we would hope so, because that would change the entire, the entire story and the entire, you know, everything that will set up the, the you know, the new, the new expansion will be like, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to yeah, be. Because isn't Titan the first planet you go to from Earth when you start Destiny 2? Yeah, uh, Titan is actually, if I'm honest with you, Titan is a beautiful... You, you guys know Bungie, yeah. kind of, you know, for Halo times and all of that. Bungie, if one thing Bungie, I would say, does right, not just with the gameplay or anything like that, it's just the artists, they are absolutely brilliant every single planet on destiny every single you know species every single thing the colors the colors of you know the the, the palette the colors and the different planets they, like to me it's visually stunning yeah no i mean uh, more in the in the sense that since it's a starter planet if they get rid of it first they will be also revamping re the new player experience Mm -hmm. you know with a new expansion that's what i was yeah. more probably like, going at yeah but it's kind of like titan is one of the, the the first planets but it's kind of irrelevant at some point uh you, you kind of skip it and it's uh it's not the biggest planet i i, I called titan and ion disappearing i hope 
Io doesn't disappear because Io is the second biggest planet in size for, for, yeah. the, for the players. Um, first is Earth, obviously, and then the second one is Io. Uh, Titan is kind of in the middle ground. Titan is kind of like small. Locksmith said he wants to, you know, make it smaller for new players to be, to feel more like, you know, not overwhelmed by so many things, so many planets, blah, blah, blah. So they, they kind of, I think, Titan, let's say, you know, if we have to get rid of something, Titan is kind of like, it makes sense on the solar system because Titan is like the furthest away from the ecosystem on Destiny, planet Earth. It kind of like all came together and they're probably going to make the decision to just pull the trigger on that planet and that's it and get rid of it. After that, they said, you know, the Dreadnought might appear again. So it's kind of like there is a lot of things going on. But this season setting up the rest of the story will be very interesting. And if they can pull it off right, and they can pull it off, like, giving us a hint of what's going to happen, a new activity, or, you know, get to see the new the new enemies, that will pick a lot of interest. And that will make it for a big, big opening in September down the line, October, when the new expansion comes yeah. up. And I think they're actually very secretive about it because they actually have something big. And they don't want to spoil it, basically. They, they, yeah. This is this is a very, you know, uh, we all know the data mining. Uh, we actually spoke about, which I actually forgot to mention last week, because we were talking about the terms of service on, on Ubisoft and all of that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things on the terms of service of Ubisoft is they actually, there's no more data mining on Ubisoft games. Do you guys know that? So that. they actually ban you if you data mine. <laughs> uh, I think that's that's actually a brilliant, I think that's actually a brilliant idea because data mining, the only thing that does for you is to spoil the game. If you are interested in the story in the game, every single time there is a data mine on one game, they spoil everything about the game, the story. But, but there's a simple solution. Don't preload your content into the game before it's out. Can you avoid Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, no, everyone? No, no. I mean this. Like, don't be, don't be a dummy as a developer and have oh, trickled, the assets, tri the assets. Tri trickled the assets into the game before the content's finished. If you yeah, don't but want the assets it, have to be in the game, whether you like it or not. The assets no, are going to no, be in the no, game. No, you, no, you're misunderstanding. Mis I mean, don't, don't put the assets into the game for the content you don't want to be data mined before the content's ready to be shipped. Yeah. And I that's how yeah, that's, that's how you avoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I but, think it's a it's a bit silly thing. Like I think the developers are as as guilty in in this area as the data miners. I don't think there is like a real... you as a developer don't you put the assets first so you can test it? Well yeah, but you put it into a test client, not in the public client. Exactly. The public, you, you need to test it in the public as well, isn't it? with uh, stress test the service because they actually do yeah, their own testing on the public services. Isn't but it? There's, there's, yeah, you can have PTS servers, public text servers, yeah, but, but at the same if time... You don't have them, if you don't have them, you will have to put them in the game so you can... Yeah, but, but then that's a bit like, that's a thing on the developer, I get it. Mm. Like, I, I get why it's there, but at the same time, there's a simple workaround. You know, a person that is really into, you know, the story and the lore and, you know, th these games are heavily based on what's going to happen in the game, on the story mm -hmm. of the game. Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, to me, it feels like, you know, like uh, that data mine, I do not appreciate data mining. I ends up spoiling something for you. 
whether you like it or not, you are going to end up saying it somewhere, something somewhere. I, I, I would be happy just to see the trailer from Bungie and, you know, this big guy is coming, he puts the sword down, blah, blah, boom, everything is broke. As long as I see that, that's fine, but then you get the data miners, oh, this uh, conversation between this guy and that guy, so this is going to happen. You know what I mean? That uh, literally spoils everything for you. So let's hope we don't get much of the because actually destiny is big on data mining yeah. like every single thing on destiny comes up first on data mining every single thing so that that's how you know there is rumors about you know planets disappearing because the data mine happened obviously bungie is famous for shifting things around and just changing things and maybe there is a data mining for something and they actually go or another route because probably down the road closer to the release they say i don't like this let's go this direction yeah let's hope you know yeah. to me it's a set it's gonna be a setup for the new uh, big expansion coming on september october and it's gonna be wonderful <laughs> i'm a bias on destiny i'm bungie i'm sorry guys but i just love the game like it's i i've spent so much of my personal own time my life on this game and it's giving me so much happiness and so much you know sadness and everything it's just I, I got out of the game, so... Yeah, that's okay. Passion is a good thing. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't bash it on any games. I think all games are brilliant, but... To me, Destiny is my baby. My little baby. <laughs> <laughs> just just to go back on one point, but that's just me saying it. And I don't... I'm someone who is actually very resistant when it comes to spoilers. I feel not very strongly about data mining or people just dropping spoilers. I know that other people feel very strongly about it. I get why. I just say it's even shown in studies that some minor spoilers can even heighten your excitement for yeah. what's to come. So maybe not all spoilers are bad. Yeah, plus the thing is, if the spoiler ruined the game for you maybe the story itself wasn't all that great that's my mm, opinion as could well be, yeah could i mean not, not data mining doesn't only spoil you know i mean like if, you, if, you're flat, like that, but, if you're flat if you're flat out drop everything that's mm. just rude <laughs> yeah but, but they, they usually on on destiny what you would see it's usually not just data mining for like weapons spoil is the whole thing for you because they already say oh this weapon is already on the you know start to mine already and it's like oh my god you're telling me already i mean you know because before on destiny one i don't know if you guys came across this secret quest that appeared one day out of the blue just for no, no reason there was on a daily quest that was the black spindle quest okay so i will never forget the, the quest i will never forget the name of the weapon and the actual weapon is actually on Destiny 2 now, and it's not called Black Spindle. I can't even remember because your brain will remember something that it's something for you that is impactful for you, isn't it? The weapon now it's got a different name. You just acquire it for a normal quest. I can't even remember the name of the, the, the quest or the weapon now, but I remember Black Spindle. That that weapon appeared. Uh, it's an exotic sniper, which appeared one day out of the blue because there wasn't any data mining at that time on destiny it was very young you know early on on destiny and destiny one not early on but on year two on destiny one there was no still no data mining on the game no there was data mining but maybe it was very minimal and not very you know publicly uh, said to everyone so what happened on you there is there was a daily quest every single day which 
you end up not doing them again because they come they become a bit irrelevant on the end game but one day out of the blue someone discovered that on a daily quest there was a door open then when you were like kind of like running back from the darkness there was a door open and you cross that door and there is a whole new activity which was time and you had to fight the scholars at the end and if you beat him you will get this black spindle which is an amazing sniper rifle i mean it might not might not be the best in the whole game but it was something that was coming out of nowhere and no one knew about it and it just appeared one day yeah i get and, i get yeah. what you're saying it just spoils the fun for the community to find this stuff out for themselves exactly you yeah. see one day on reddit and you see on youtube oh yo this, this is the new mission disappear blah blah just go ahead and do it. and there was a weapon and no one knew about it now you know every single weapon that is coming out because it's literally everywhere you know it's like you i try to avoid it myself i can't i can't because it just happens i happen to say somewhere every single time it's either Twitter or it's either Instagram or it's either on YouTube. I happen to say every single time, uh, weapons, a story, dialogues, uh, everything about it. So, you know, if obviously if you can stay away from all of that, you will be going completely, you know, blank into the new season. And if something happens, you will say on the day. But that's the only thing that I do not like about, you know, what they're doing with the data mining. You know, uh, if they kind of. I think that's the whole reason why, you know, we come back to what I said before. That's the whole reason why this Bungie is completely, completely silent one week away from the new season. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the other man is going to be always there. So it, the developers just have to come up with ways to avoid it. Like, even as as you said, if Ubisoft's going to ban it, there's like, doesn't going to stop. It's not going to stop data mining anyway. There is always someone who crashes the party. Yeah, there's always. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, it's like a, they yeah. they rely heavily on on the lore and and the story and everything. So yeah. um, you know, it's a big thing. Like honestly, no joke. It's it's a really big thing. What's coming to Destiny, in my opinion, and it's something we've been waiting for seven years now, and yeah. for a long, you know, alpha. Destiny Alpha player, it's something I do not appreciate because I want to really, really get surprised by, by the trailer from Destiny that releases in July and, you know, see who are we going to be fighting, who are we going to be facing, or maybe on, on in two, in, you know, in a week's time when the new season appears and they're going to present you. This is the big guy. You're not going to see him yet, but you know he's here already. That is what gets you excited. Like, don't don't tell me I'm wrong, guys. Like, you it gets you excited seeing what's the next step. Who, who's the big guy? Who you gonna be fighting? This is the next big guy. This is the one you gotta go for. This is the guy's head. You wanna, you know, you wanna go grab his and put it as a helmet, and just go fighting more people. Why would I, I ever not... tell you you're wrong? Huh? <laughs> you just said, "Don't tell me I'm wrong." Why would I ever tell that? Yeah. Uh, say that. But you know, you know, you know exactly what I mean. You know, you want to kill him and you put yeah. a helmet and go fight more people. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's you know, that's obviously what data mining happens, and that's why I think uh, you know, uh, Bungie is being completely silent. Like literally, you do not see lately. You do not see uh, Bungie coming up with anything like beforehand. They kind of like keep it a secret, 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 secret. After you know, three days, four days until the release. Boom. There you go. Because otherwise, everyone will know everything in advance. So.
yeah let's hope let's hope fingers crossed for a cool new thing to do in destiny during the summer otherwise it's gonna be a very 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 boring summer on destiny let's hope for some content actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> hashtag content okay so on to the last topic we oh. had i i know which video you inspired you to do that of the one YouTuber we both watch, there is an issue on the mobile game market and it's called asset stealing and even flat out idea stealing or stealing entire games. Yeah, stealing a game wholesale just happened. <laughs> yeah. So, Mum Mum, take it away. Yeah, so I bet you guys heard from last week that Ubisoft just dropped the lawsuit against Apple and Android about the Area F2, the uh, Chinese Rainbow Six Siege knockoff. Yes. Yeah, because um, it was a game that essentially on the phone wholesale uh, stole the entire, as, uh, entire gameplay, the characters, the skins, the weapons, everything, and just put it on a mobile as a crappy port. And they first appealed to Alibaba, which is a Chinese retailer who owns the Area F2 game. Mm -hmm. And since they're Chinese, they, you know, China don't care. So they went to Apple and Google, who are American companies, and it's gonna be, for them, it was gonna be easier to do, right? So they sued Apple and Google on the basis of their promoting a product that essentially is a theft. And then Aria F2 was taken down, including everything, the website, everything, and they dropped the lawsuit against uh, Google and Apple. And I think it is just the tip of the iceberg because I don't know if how much time either of you spent like even playing games on your phones in the past. A lot of time. But yeah, like I played some games as well. I mostly like most games I have on my phone are just the ports of the Rockstar games, like GTA 3, Vice City, whatever. But when you look also at the other games, a lot of them either use material to market themselves that's a flat out lie. There's games, I, I always forget the names of these games, but there's games that use trailers or pre edited footage from big big titles like uh, there was a game I think it was something about dragons and it used a Monster Hunter World trailer as its promotional material leaving in the title and I think there was one with a Capcom logo in it as well oh wow uh, then you have uh, games promoting themselves uh, with uh, fan art from other games there's like I think it was like a some gacha game that was promoting itself with fan art from people that did fan art for uh, near Automata. What? Just like to, to be... With to fan be. art. So they don't yes. even... They don't even steal the stuff from the companies who can actually do something about it. No. They are going to steal it from the fans who pour their heart and soul into their fan art just to get noticed a little bit on the internet. And they oh, steal yeah. that. Oh my god. Good. 
there uh-huh. was one um, that was like this because of a specific example I gave for the near, near, where they stole the fan art for Nier Automata. It's those like those crappy, you know, level five, level thirty-five, level nine, ninety-nine character ads. If you've ever seen those, one is a fan art of Two B from Nier. Second is like a almost like a, a not safe for work art of Two B. And the third one is the cover for the concerto album for Nier Automata for the live recording of the music. What? It was, yeah, it's like the mobile market is wild. And that's not us even talking about the business models for a lot of them. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's like it's, it's, it's uh, wild west. Yeah, the... I just was about to say that's the wild west of the gaming world right now. And nobody's doing anything about it. Google's not responding. Apple's the same way. And also to get like any sort of clearance and action done against these games, it's hard because a lot of them are Chinese. China will it doesn't always care about like any like intellectual laws. Exactly talking about it. Excuse me, um, Orko. Now that we're actually talking about it is now that you actually mention it is, is this the whole reason why a lot of developers are starting to split the efforts on to try to make mobile games as well so they cannot be you know they cannot be like kill assets like you know like these kind of things happen so they're actually the ones who create them and they're actually the ones who can take i think the the problem is a different one most of those asset stealing games come are coming from china because the China is a government that will always protect their home companies against foreign companies. Dragging a Chinese company through their own court and getting a win as a foreign company is basically impossible. Yeah, that's that's why the big UB issue. Went, sorry, that's why UB went after Google and uh, Apple because they they had the storefronts where these games are sale, sold. They essentially put pressure on the point where they could apply pressure and they knew something would be happening if they you know, couldn't get a sway in China. So they had to go through Western courts a roundabout way. They got their win, but it also illustrates the problem with this market. And I think even if Western developers branch out and do more mobile games, they will still get their assets stolen. Honestly, think... And maybe I'm wrong here, but I honestly think they make it the people who steal the assets even easier by having them already ported to the mobile con- to the mobile market. Yeah, well, it's not the same you making money out of it than being stolen and not even getting absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? That's what you know. That's what I'm trying to say because I see you know you see kind of like more of these big companies tapping into the mobile. Uh, into the mobile market as well, isn't it? Yeah. I think that this could be the actual reason for it. It, it could because, be. You know, okay, yeah. yeah. If you if you make that point, yes, that could be actually a reason. So they see, okay, we get our assets stolen. Let's just get ahead of it and put our own stuff in there so we don't lose completely out. It, yeah, that could be the case. I can see that. I mean, yeah. that's that's why I think you know there's more and more you know these uh, of these developers actually porting games onto mobile as well and trying to you know at least try to make a tiny bit of money before someone comes and trying to yeah, I mean, take all your work and use it for themselves. We we have we have the entire Diablo mobile debacle still 
was last year, Jess. Even Blizzard paired up with a company to be known not stealing assets, but massively flipping assets. That's another issue. NetEase is known um, to just take assets of other game they already created and just reusing them. Yeah, I think also where they're going into mobile is to combat the... not to combat this, but the idea is if you get on the market and mobile games are big in China and other Asian countries, so if they're essentially the first of that kind on the mobile market, they will sell big in those markets as well. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a way to make a headway, be the first one, and if like any copycats come afterwards, they're not going to be as prominent because you're already in that market. Yeah, that's another thing. Because um, unlike us here in the West, the Asian countries prefer to play on their phone for some reason. I mean, yeah. we do too. We also play on our phone, but I don't prefer it over my PC or consoles. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit of a cultural thing as well. I don't know, they kind of like the more handheld. You know, Nintendo is quite big there. So, yeah. you know, their market is completely different from the rest of the world, to be honest, because the whole market in, in Asia is just... I, I think it's just sim- a simple, you know, cultural thing. Also, they have like, do they don't they have like a schools now for like esports and everything? Yeah, yeah, that's they have that. Co- talking that's Korea, so, yeah. Yeah, I think they actually you know embrace the gaming thing and it's like you know. Yeah, There's I think like... that's actually you know I think in so, in some way they're actually a step ahead of us on gaming ways like you know everything related about gaming. Yeah, but the they thing always... is like, Asia yeah. is such a broad like term because mm-hmm. you have China, Korea, and Japan. Yeah, the biggest markets in Asia, and Japan's big on held handheld gaming, but they're not so big on the mobile market. Yeah, they have their Nintendos, right? They have 3DSs. They had PSPs when that was a thing, mm-hmm. and like for them, even now, like mobile gaming still is a big thing. But their that market is more into uh, like a, essentially console level games. Then you have Korea, which is more PC-based because of the history with StarCraft, Counter-Strike, right? Yeah. But China, China is straight up mobile mobile gaming country, mm. and that's the thing. That's that that's like that's the main crux of the problem there. Also, the population has to come into account. Yeah, uh, I would yeah, just yeah, wanted yeah. to China, say. There you go. Uh, that that you probably beating half of Europe just by themselves, but yeah, plus uh, the buying power of like is obviously lower per average in China than mm-hmm. other Asian countries as well, which plays a role as well. That's why all, a lot of these mobile games are usually free to play, but you yeah. get either ads or you have energy, or you're somehow limited, and that's how they get the money from these people. I actually came up to this, uh, that was actually a Bungie, when Bungie team, because I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Bungie got a half a million, basically paid, got paid half a million uh, dollars by a Asian company, which I can't remember which one is it. And that's why, you know, we all know that Bungie is working on something new in a new IP, which is, you know, uh... it's influenced by this uh, Asian company that has, you know, invested half a million onto Bungie that happened just as Bungie was splitting up with Activision. It wasn't Tencent, right? It's Tencent. It's probably Tencent. It's always Tencent. Yeah, they're the biggest one, yeah. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the name. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell, though. But um, yeah, I'll do some research. Probably uh, let you guys know for next week. But mm -hmm. yeah, they actually got you know half a million investment from this company, uh, Asian company, to make oh, a new. It's, it's a net, new IP, something new. It's a net ease. It was a hundred million investment. It's a half half a million, I believe. I'm reading it's the Verge from. 2018, Bungie gets a hundred million investment from Chinese gaming company NetEase. Yeah, I mean they got that investment, and they actually Bungie has actually uh, registered a new trademark, which I can't really recall the name of the trademark right now. But um, it's basically, you know, what we all know is it's probably going to be a new IP, probably a mobile version, uh, you know, game. You see that like, that's exactly what I'm, you know. What I was mentioning before is just you know these the mm -hmm. big companies trying to tap into the mobile game because of the of the you know obviously the, the amount of people you can reach and also I read when I was you know when they were talking about all of these uh, uh, about you know the Asian company investing it is they actually when Destiny came out as the new light Asian version you can actually pay to get higher power stuff higher power weapons and higher power uh, gear. Yeah, which seemed crazy to us, but it, it seems like in the Asian market, that's a normal thing to do. Yes. And that seems normal. So you pay to actually get higher stuff. Crazy to me. Yeah, yeah that was a common when there was those free-to-play FPS games, like Combat Arms, which was, I think, a Korean one. And there you like you had your basic gun, and then you could get, you could get randomly drop either a new gun, or you could buy a new gun. But those guns weren't yours forever. They were usually like quote-unquote rentals. You had them for either like a couple of hours gameplay or they were like on your account for seven days and they, then they disappeared. Reminds me of that Blacklight Retribution. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thing as well. That I think was, they changed it. That was one Actually, of the yeah. worst offenders in that regard I've ever played. And you cannot forget that even in MMOs, which come from Korea, they are toned down here quite significantly when it comes to buying items at some point because yeah. it it is actually a thing in MMOs in Korea that you buy your gear with real world money yeah you can just straight up buy it there yeah it's here mm. it's like a more like more of like a black market but yeah in Korea it's a it's a yeah. thing Okay. Uh, yeah, the new IP from Bungie is called Mata. Uh, they already released like the actual logo, how it looks like. It's like a splash mm. of paint, and it says Mata on top of it. So this is the 100 million uh, that you actually said million from Net NetEast uh, from the Asia company. So uh, some people are saying that this is gonna be another another game. There's gonna be another mobile game, but uh, we never know. It says it's going to be released by 2025. Oh. It's a it's a long term investment. Exactly, exactly. That, uh, that, there must be a hell of a like. I think they're probably trying to get a couple of concepts out and see which one's gonna work the best because they probably wanna, will want to make a big splash on the market. Yeah. It's a Chinese tech company, so they wanna probably have like a big product that will rake in insane amounts of money. Yeah, I mean, no one knows. I mean, we're not. I'm not saying it is. A mobile game what people are speculating with is gonna be a mobile game because of the origin of the company you know it's an yep. Asian company so they tend to focus on the you know the market of the mobile version so like you said it's a very long time even though for a mobile game it, do you think that mobile game would take that long because that investment was in 2018 remember 
So yeah, this yeah. IP is being is gonna be in the bill for about no, they started on 2019, it says here. So six years to make a mobile it, game. That seems a bit excessive in my opinion. It might be also about building infrastructure mm -hmm. given what the given what the game's gonna be. Because if it's gonna be, say, a mobile shooter, then you're gonna need an infrastructure for it means you're gonna need servers in major locations of China where people can play without a you know a huge amount of lag. You're gonna need infrastructure as well for it if you're gonna hold the data of the players, and if you're gonna involve monetization, meaning you need also probably deals with either bank houses or money houses in China. And the other thing I can imagine is also just sheer logistics and paperwork. Yeah. Imagine an American company like Bungie going to China. Yeah, the amount of like stuff yeah. that you have to sign to not, and also it's gonna be a matter of localization, because you can. There is not that there is things you just can't have in yeah. in a game that will have to that will be sold in China. Yeah, you cannot have undead, for example. Yeah. That's gonna so, be banned outright. Yeah, so that thing is a problem as well. And it's gonna it's gonna play in that development time as well, yeah. the localization where they're gonna have to think about what can and can't be in the game when it comes to the content and concepts and concepts, yeah. yeah. So I think it it makes mm, six years time doesn't sound too long to me if you take all these factors into account. Yeah. Also, they might maybe shoot for a little bit more than mm -hmm. current hardware can handle, so they might aim yeah. for if they look at the trajectory how phones are developing over the next years yeah they might shoot for a mid end phone or a mid end phone in 2024 yeah that it can and play that, those games yeah you need also like a player base so you can't have your game like run just on the top of the line phones yeah, yeah true but they might still shoot for phones that are still in development in that kind of regard so yeah yeah but what whatever they do i think they're is sense to the timeline they have. I'm actually interested in seeing what Bungie can turn out. I don't know, to be honest, everything. I, I wasn't big on on Halo, but I mean, Halo is Halo is being massive. But every single Bungie seems to be one of those companies that everything they do comes magic. They they, you know, they they came with Halo. You know, changed completely the 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 way we. You know, we played FPS. It changed completely. You know, from what we got used to, we were used to the, you know the Call of Duty era. That, that was everything was dominated by Call of Duty, and yeah. other than not, Call of Duty wasn't really big. They kind of came up with that. They 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 got it right. You know, everyone loved it, and you know the the whole you know Halo now is still going, even though they not even you know, but they created the whole thing, and then they move on to destiny and they changed completely that was very ambitious from them let me tell you because you know an evolve constantly evolving world like world of warcraft and then fps like halo and the jumping and the abilities and the stats and the gear and the weapons and the uh, attachments and obviously they they came up with the obviously at the start wasn't they didn't get it right but they still stuck with it and they kept going and they kept improving the game and the game is where it is right now where I think it's very a very very in-depth game where you know obviously for new players it's gonna be 
crazy difficult. If they come up with another IP like Massa, all of, like I would expect them to be killing it as well. You know, doing something. They got really creative people. I mean, the, you know, Bungie developers are actually you know they're under the wings of you know you know Phil. They, Phil is always you guys seen it. Phil on 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 Twitter, they're always sending them like love all the time, man. Phil Spencer loves them. Yeah, and we know uh, you know. Phil Spencer is like the big, you know, we we actually spoke about it because he's like, the, you know, he's changed the shape, the, 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 the shape of Xbox around. He's turning around and he's like, you know, making great progress towards the, Maybe the he, actual console. Maybe he wants them back. He, he I, I mean, they're trying to, like, he's kind of grooming them, trying to get them back into the, the Microsoft wing. But I don't think they actually want any of that at the moment. Uh, Bond is now at the point where they're saying, you know, we can do this ourselves yeah, yeah. Uh, i think yeah, like, like the, the thing is going to be here what how much sway the investment company has in the product as well that's going to play like, a big role like gearbox gearbox I, I actually admire gearbox even though you know uh, there might be some problems with the guy with the name anyway but the head of the company might have a few problems here and there blah, blah, <laughs> but at the end of the day, gearbox is an excellent excellent wonderful company i mean public. i mean i can agree that no they are published by 2k sometimes always yes, published. Always. yeah but a couple of games isn't it only uh and then you know every most of you know the, yeah. the main borderlands games are self-published isn't it no I think no they're 2K. 2k they're 2k all of them gearbox does some good stuff some not so good stuff it's a it's a company i think <laughs> no but they had some good games regarding whatever <laughs> does mm. in his free time and what shenanigans he's up to the yeah. only thing he should never forget is that he lied about aliens colonial marines and he should always oh, remind yeah. me of that yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it just he is lawsuing everyone so i don't want to name him so oh he's he's lawsuing yeah. people yeah 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 he, yeah he just goes around like crazy but i mean it uh, is just he's another guy i mean he's created the whole company by himself so he can't okay. say I'm gonna what black that last part I said out. I blur his name. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Yeah, that's why I don't want to name him. Just, okay. just try to avoid him. Um, he he he's like the company is really good. You know, I think that you know the whole Borderlands series is is wonderful. They embrace the goofiness of the entire series and in them and everything. You know, Borderlands thing I think is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, on the game uh, it's just sad that the game doesn't stick you know, a lot longer after all the works of the all the years that these people are spending on onto this game so back to where we were hopefully you know bungie is going to be another company that's investing on the mobile version of the games and in asia seems to be okay to be paying to get paid to win you know isn't that what we call yeah because it's a different mentality altogether if yeah. you if yeah. you can totally. do uh, that with money, it's perfectly a okay to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not okay here. Yeah, we actually yeah we actually hate yeah. that. It's like yeah, no, exactly. you get destroyed as a company if you do that in Europe. That's why because the whole thing yeah. talk about because it's like when Bungie actually did that when New Light the you know the free version of 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 Destiny came out in in Asia because that was going to come out everywhere in the world you know it's going to be mm -hmm. a, a worldwide thing and then everyone was like wow 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 what now Destiny is going to have a pay to win version of the game everyone went nuts about it and they actually had to come out saying yo this is the Asian version that's different 
their version is their version the eastern version you know the western version is two you know. completely different versions of and actually the new light in asia is a different version not not just a different version but they have like this page wing every versus store kind of like heavily yeah. you know heavily focused on that version of the game which is crazy to me uh, but you know our version is still you know, they always trying you know they come up saying this actual on this week at Bungie, which was a couple of days ago on Thursday, they actually came up saying they want to find more ways to avoid people purchasing stuff on the Eververse and try to give you more things in-game, you know what I mean? Because people can keep complaining about it. Because I remember, like, even when I, when I was playing, I didn't, I think I used Eververse once because I had some left over, um, was it silver? Yeah. Yeah, so I had some level of silver because from because you can gain silver in game from mm -hmm. some quests. So that's I had some leftovers, so I just bought a skin and that was it. Otherwise, like all like all the exotics I unlocked just went through the game. And I think you get like weekly drops of exotic bundle, or you can get like an exotic bundle from a quest. It's all cosmetic. Everything yeah. you can get is cosmetic. I yeah, don't say I don't say as bad in games completely like honestly like Fortnite, like um you know paladins or or any other game i think you know it, it, at the end of the day the, the people that create the game need to get paid as well so yeah. as long as it's not predatory and i understand that you know the loot box system from ea which is out of this world uh, this is pure gambling in my eyes yeah. you you choose what you want to get and you pay for it i mean I that's, a, like... that's a good method you know whatever the price is if you want if yeah. you're willing to pay to you are the owner of your own money and your own decisions so to you if that's a fair price by all means in my eyes go for it if i don't like it i'm not gonna you know judge you for for that so as long as you can choose what you get Let's say yeah. I want this skin, I want the, you know, the Star Wars skin from Fortnite, blah, blah, blah. You pay for it? That's fine to me. Uh, you know, you are actually supporting a company that is giving you a game that you're probably going to spend 500 hours on for free. Not yeah. a single penny for it. See that's, yeah. that's, see, that's what I like in Warframe, because there's this, they have a premium currency as well. It's Platinum. But the thing is, you can earn platinum in-game. You can sell parts to mm -hmm. things because the way you get new weapons, new warframes, which is like your class, and other stuff in-game is you build it through parts that you get as a drop, or you open a relic, which is a thing that has like a ran, which is, each has like a set things you can get in it, mm -hmm. and it's a random drop. And you can sell these parts to other players for platinum. So you don't have to pay essentially any money and you can still get the premium stuff just because you spend like, once every two weeks, I sit down, play for an hour, open relics, and then sell them on the market to other players. And then I can buy uh, boosters. I can buy, you know, stuff like that that make my experience easier. And that way I can even, like, sometimes I can earn even more platinum quicker just because I have those boosters. So and I like it. what's going on, on on the mobile version of the games, isn't it? The free no, mobile no. version of the games. No, that's that's Warframe. That's not... No, not yeah. A... Yeah, yeah, I know the system on Warframe, but they, they because we were talking about the mobile, you know, uh, market and all that, this is what most of the mobile free-to-play games do, isn't it? It will yeah. take you a lot longer to get yeah. the high level, but... You can do it for free. Yeah. You don't have to pay a single penny for it. Yeah, that's the thing a lot with a lot of the gacha games. 
like uh you know there's the big one arknights right mm. like it's a gacha game you can you know you can play and like every day for like maybe 20 minutes before your energy runs out or you can spend like you know 50 bucks and get you know a hat yeah. which is ridiculous oh to be honest uh, uh honestly like, like like i just said before you know you you can get the whole enjoyment of the game even if it's a slower or not a single penny and... yeah but the thing is those mobile games are made not to be fun without spending the money I mean, a lot but, of those yeah. gacha games like especially because it's it's a that's a big market and mm -hmm. like every big brand name has their own you know there's like ones for anime you have movie based you have one there's like final fantasy 15 there's one for game of thrones i used to and play there's marvel one yeah I used to play DC Heroes, I think it's the name, just for a little bit because I'm a superhero fan. And at the beginning, you had always enough energy to do your runs. But as soon as you got onto a higher level, and suddenly your energy started to run out pretty quickly. And if you yeah. played two rounds of a game that played basically itself, there was not much more to it, and I just deinstalled it. Because yeah, was, yeah. I don't want that. From a game. Yeah, same thing with um, there was a Star Wars one. You had to you opened packs with cards, and the cards had characters that would do auto battle, much in the same way. It was like, oh, I got Yoda, but then you realized the card Yoda has like five stars on top of it, and you realized that you have to grind or pay to get like a decent version of the character, and then you're like, and then I like at that point I'm like, yeah, I mean I could go on and on with that, but yeah, mobile games it is for. Or it is, you know, like you guys said before, it's a free market, it's the Wild West right now. Yeah, it's the Wild West. Yeah. Of gaming. I... Or, yeah, like games like, you know, like like I said before, you know, uh, many people will hate it. Uh, that's fine. But, you know, games like Fortnite have an excellent monetary system. They, you know, you got your skins, you want to pay for them, just go ahead. If you don't want to pay for them, you know, don't, don't pay for them. You can yeah. still play over 1,000 hours in the game without... a having to spend a single penny and yes. you will not feel inferior to absolutely no one. They still have the, you know, the skins, which you can get for free or, or the season pass and blah, blah. You got like, you know, a bunch of like free events, like, you know, the event they did with the singer, you know, the whole concert. Yeah. yeah, like they, they can do a bunch of stuff and you can get stuff for free over there. So, you know, this is kind of games, which, you know, you, you can decide to spend more, invest money or not. Even yeah. the mobile version or no mobile version, you know, you, you, yeah. you get games that you get a lot of enjoyment for for not a single penny i think it is a good practice to if they give you a solid monetary you know way of paying for something if they don't give you loot boxes like overwatch or they don't give you like you know the infamous the infamous you know loot packs on on fifa or madden which yeah. i think that's predatory and that's wrong and gambling in my yeah. eyes you don't know what you're gonna get and you just spend and spend and spend and spend so that's you know that's gambling news yeah. plus that's what people do in gambling i mean um, we all we all basically i mean I, I just say all i don't know really bum bum but i think he also agrees to that i think we all have no issues in here if you actually can just buy what you see as yeah. long as it doesn't infringe on the gameplay so that's yeah. perfectly fine if the game is actually free at launch. This is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. This like is a caveat. Me, yeah. Like for me, it's like like there is a mobile game and then there is a mobile game. Like Fortnite was made to be just 
a game on your phone that you can play when you're away from your console or your PC and still have that experience by a studio that knows that they can thrive just on the cosmetics. Then you have the more predatory side of the mobile market, which a lot of people will just pass on the game once they see how it how the game essentially works. That, okay, I can play for, say, five minutes and then that app's dead for the next 24 hours, right? Mm. But there are also people that are taken in by this predatory monetization system and just spend insane amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And it's the much the same way as the FIFA or Madden one, right? Where you pay for a random bag of champions, you know, and then you get maybe one like that's even like half decent below one, average at best. One after five packs or, or ten yeah. packs, man. Like um I've done it myself. I have spent money on it, but when I've been playing FIFA, you know, when the whole system came out first, that was really cool to be honest. You know, it was like kind of like, you know, you feel like Yeah. Oh, am I going to get Messi? Am I going to get Ronaldo? It's always, you know, you, you want to yeah. get those big guys. And you, so, I mean, obviously, if you have a bit of common sense, and obviously, yeah. this is actually targeted to the younger audience as well, because yeah. they are the ones who recognize this the least, probably, because, you know, you're, you're, us as adults, you know, our conscience kind of like kicks in at some point, most of us, but at some point, you realize it's like, wow, wow, for a second, I just spend another. You know 20 quid on top of the 60 i've paid already for then you say oh wow i'm actually just destroying money at these people for no reason at all and they're not giving me anything in exchange so you know the worst thing was that essentially in fifa and other games you essentially had to buy them if you wanted to be competitive in the multiplayer uh, yeah. in fifa i mean in fifa madden you, you you can still play without it it's a full-blown prize for a yearly game that is not finished every yeah. year we can go on and on about you know madden fifa and all of that yeah. uh, even though they do the, their improvements and everything i don't want to bat on, on on ea or anything like that the, the game is is the game you like football you like fifa go ahead get the game and and you know spend your money on, like i said before you know it's your money you your decision you decide what you what to spend on. i'm not gonna tell you what to do but uh in my eyes in my opinion i this i i realized that i was throwing money at you know something that wasn't worth it in the end because mm-hmm. you know the, the the thing with the fifa ultimate team and the ultimate team of madden is that if you want to decide if you decide to go for the route of you know not spending money what's gonna happen is you you're gonna spend what whatever one person is gonna spend on like let's say you spend five minutes opening packs okay mm-hmm. this is your time during the next three months okay that's that that's that's the the that's basically the same thing you decide to spend five minutes or you decide to spend three months no yeah to get to the same point okay like players and buying players selling players blah blah yeah obviously that comes into there is some many many factors to come to it if you're really good instead of three months you're probably going to get it in one month i'm really bad so it would take me five months but you know what i mean like yeah. it's basically your, your it's your time how much it's basically, oh, it's they, play, they play they play with your brain because it's like how much do you value your time you know what i mean yeah are you willing to spend 20 quid on this pack or are you willing to spend a month playing it you know yeah. what I mean? and that's 
I think that's predatory to the nth degree because EA shows what they really value. They don't value as a player or your time as a player. They just value your exactly. pockets and how deep they are. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like I, I'm one of those people that doesn't mind to buy like in Warframe. Like as I said, I buy boosters when I like feel like it. But at the same time, it's just because I value my time more than say the pound fifty I'd spend on a booster. Yeah, right? but the boosters in Warframe are like dirt cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's dirt cheap, and they. Yeah. And it like stays with you for like uh, three days, and it lets you a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I mean, everyone has their own pain points. Everyone has their own threshold when they're gonna shell out money. That's yep. just how it is. And I myself bought something like that. I mean, I bought I bought the champions pack on Paladins when it was on sale, so I don't have to unlock every champion. I just didn't want to do that it was 10 euros when it was on sale i think it was a reasonable price i got every champion out of the gate and i was done with it and could try everyone because it was just so much fun so sorry it's a, it's a way also to support the developers if you enjoy yeah. the game why not yeah exactly yeah i personally like i said do also stuff like that everyone does it it's just that you as a gamer have to make sure you spend your money wisely and that's the important part. Wisely means you can afford it, you want to afford it, and you are not in a trap of, I have to spend it. You have to be in the mindset of, I want to spend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a way to approach it, especially from the developer side. You don't want, like, yeah, like there's predatory companies that will make it like that. But if you want to make a system where you want to support your game, you know, as it goes on, but the thing is, yes, you can do it, but you don't don't also want to break the bank of your player base. If your player base can't afford or doesn't feel like it's worth it to to buy whatever you're offering, uh, aside from the game, there's something wrong, and you have to reevaluate it. We have to thank the whole of the loot boxes to Mr. Andrew Wilson, CEO of EA. Yes, he is. He is the creator of the infamous loot boxes, and this is where it all comes from. I don't think he was the first one. I think he was just the most profile proponent of them. Yeah, he was the one that kind of like introduced it for the first time in AAA games. Yeah, to AAA games, because they've been a thing in for ages. I'm just going to like come clear. I played Magic the Gathering for years, so I was like, okay, I'm okay with loot boxes in that way. Because there's also the option to buy singles. If, if, if the game gives you the option, whatever you want to choose, you choose what you get, you get it, and you pay for it. Yeah. That's it. You decide yeah. what's worth for you. Yeah. Money awesome. and your time, and whatever you want to spend it on. That's a good system, in my opinion, because you just can say, you know, I want to get this skin, I get it, I pay for it. I think the, the price is fair. Or, you know, if you don't think the price is fair, you're not going to pay for it. So it's as simple. Um, no one forces you to pay as well. Um, that's at the end of the day you know the that's your 
you know, you 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 get this and you pay for it, and that's it. You know, you support in yeah. the company that way. You decide, you know, the, the, you play so much of this game. You say, oh, the, you know, to me, this is worth that money. Go ahead, because that's not a predatory system, in my opinion. If they give you one skin that is like twenty quid, and it's like, wow, it's just crazy, and yeah. there's a million ways you can say, it, but you can say, you know, if you don't want it, you just don't pay for it. Sadly, that's that's what it is. But yeah. uh, it's it's a mobile game which I'm not going to spend the entire day playing mobile. I can't spend five hours on my console. I cannot spend five hours on my mobile because my mobile will shut down anyway because it will run out of battery anyway. So it's different, you know, multiple ways you can see all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definite ways you could take it. But yeah, like I think the mobile games also beg on that you don't play them all that often. But at the same time, some of them try to get you to play them as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's where the monetization incentives come in. But yeah, I I think like this is a this is a topic that's way deep. That goes on forever. Yeah. I should suggest that we can continue this at another point, gentlemen, because yeah, this is an interesting topic and a very good topic. But I think we run our course for today. Yeah. On it. Yep. <laughs> and maybe we just need a breather and rethink everything. This was episode 7 of the OrcaCast. I want to thank my beautiful co-hosts Lord Val Gaming and Bum Bum. Join me and Lord Val at Mixer.com. Join Bum Bum in 